0: Don't let stress wear you down. End the year feeling great at Planet Fitness with our big end-of-year sale. Join for just $1 down, $10 a month. Cancel anytime now through December 31st. And end the year on the right or left foot with tons of variety and space in our squeaky clean and spacious clubs. And use a crowd meter in our app to pick the best time to visit. Join for just $1 down, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. In club, online, or on our app. Deal ends December 31st. Join now at your local club or online at planetfitness.com. Hurry, deal ends Friday, December 31st. See club for details.
1: Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. I'm sure you know by now that the door you have just entered leads to a strange world, a land of forbidden fancies, peopled by giants and pygmies, kings and cobblers, saints and sinners. Happy children play in its streets while just behind lurk iniquitous monsters. Unspeakable crimes are committed here and acts of breathtaking valor. You are the sovereign in this place. It is the realm of your own imagination. Our story this time searches one of its deep recesses, the hidden place of fear. It is the spring of 1861 at a college in a small town in Ohio. In a matter of weeks, the young men will receive the sheepskin scrolls that will confer the baccalaureate degree on them. Only half mindful that they are living at the edge of a volcano on the brink of a civil war that could change their lives completely. The students seek welcome relief from concentrated study in friendly competition. They meet in such places as the athletic field, the running track, or, as in the case of Bennett Green and Will Dudley, the pistol range.
0: Splendid,
1: Mr. Dudley, splendid. Seven bullseyes out of ten. Absolutely remarkable. If the wind hadn't spoiled that, next to the last shot, it might have been eight out of ten. You've done beautifully, Will Dudley. Oh, practice. I'm a member of the state militia, you know. Every Friday night, the pistol range. Yes, of course. I, uh, I feel a little sorry for Ben Green. <laughs> he can't possibly come anywhere near your score, Will. Uh, it's Green, Ben, it's your turn, and, uh, good luck. Thank you. Uh, w- one moment, Ben. Your weapons don't seem to be the customary ones, do they? Nothing like what Dudley here has been shooting with? Uh, no, no they're not. Uh, this is a pair of dueling pistols. They're French. Yes, uh, they're rather old, aren't they? At least 50 years old. Uh, they were given to me by my father. They've been kept in perfect condition. Uh, so I would judge. Pearl handles... Beautiful. It's all right for me to use them? Well, of course. Success at a target is the result of a steady hand, a quick eye, as much as of one's guns. Well, my friend here, Mr. Elliott, will load and prime one gun as I fire the other to save time. Uh, acceptable? I don't see why not, Mr. Green. I remind you that Mr. Dudley has a score of seven bull's eyes out of ten. Uh. Not an easy score to beat, is it? (laughs) Almost impossible. A man can only do his best. How true. Anytime you're ready. Ah, too bad, Mr. Green, too bad. Second weapon, Mr. Elliott? Oh, thank you. Oh, Oh, much better, ever so much better. Almost a bullseye, but not quite. Good for you, Mr. Green. A hit, a hit. A perfect bullseye. Incredible. Absolutely unbelievable. Eight bullseyes. Eight straight hits in a row. Remarkable, Mr. Green. Congratulations. Thank you. Ben Green had beaten me again at something at which I was supposed to be unbeatable. We'd been rivals in almost everything from the first day we'd entered college four years ago, and with almost no exceptions, he'd beaten me at everything. Never by much, but by enough for me to know that I'd never been and probably would never be number one. Mr. Dudley, Mr. Green... I've called both of you into my office for the purpose of telling you the faculty's decision as to who is to be the valedictorian of this class of 1861. At next week's commencement exercises, one of you will step forward to make the valedictory the farewell address of your class. Gentlemen, you've given the faculty a most difficult choice. Your records of accomplishment are so... so devilishly close. However painful as that decision has been, we have made one. On the toss of a coin, no more, no less, the class valedictorian is to be Mr. Bennett Story Green. Four years of college and on the toss of a coin, I was still number two. But there was one single thing in which I could rejoice. One contest in which I was sure I had beaten my good friend, Bennett, Story Green. Hannah Peabody, one of the young assistant librarians, was the dream of every man on campus, including, of course, Ben Green. She was bright, beautiful, radiant. I had lost my heart to her completely, and she had given me reason to think that she returned that love.
2: I agree, Will. This is the most beautiful time of the year.
1: I'm so glad you were able to get that extra hour away from the library. It was worth it.
2: Paddling around the lake like this, (laughs) picnic lunch on the shore of Duck Island, away from all the rest—what more could anyone ask? (laughs) I'm glad,
1: Uh, Hannah. Yes, sir. You, you will let me have what I asked for. I have only the two copies You must let me have one of them, you must Only because you're so
2: utterly devoted, Will So untiring in professing your affection for me I shall have to grant you your wish You are an
1: angel I was afraid even to hope
2: Here it is then, Will The daguerreotype This latest photograph of me
1: It's beautiful, Hannah Thank you No, it doesn't do you full justice.
2: How nice of you to say that. It's nearly two o'clock. Shouldn't we be starting back?
1: Oh, yes, of course.
2: Why you should want that photograph?
1: Oh, what you will do with it? (laughs) I haven't the faintest notion. I shall keep it till the day I die. I promise. Oh, well. And now, dearest Hannah, I... I I wish to ask you a most serious question. We are living in very dangerous times. The smell of war is in the air. I know. The southern states, they're, they're looking for trouble. It's awful. If war comes, Hannah, and I'm certain it will, I will be among the first of the boys in blue to go. I hold a commission in the state militia. And that's why I'd like to ask you.
2: Oh, dear me. Oh, it's two o'clock. I've so enjoyed being with you, but you must excuse me, Will. You, you must get me back at once. Oh.
1: I felt the day was not far off when Hannah would consent to become my wife. I realized I had several impressive rivals, foremost among them, Ben Green. But I had no fears. I knew none of them was as close to Hannah's heart as I was. It was a warm spring day, graduation day. Ben had just finished his valedictory address. The open air ceremonies were ended. I headed straight to where I knew Hannah was sitting.
2: Hannah. Hannah, my dear. Congratulations, Will. Oh, how very handsome you look in those academic robes. Oh, thank you, Hannah. Oh, this is all so exciting, isn't it? Oh, didn't you think Ben did extraordinarily well with his address?
1: Yes, yes, of course he did very well. Very well, indeed. Uh, Hannah. Yes, Will? I, um, well, uh, do you think it might be possible... Uh, for the, for the, um... What I mean is that... Sit down, girl.
2: Here, beside me. And do try to calm down a bit. You're actually stammering. Uh,
1: Yes, I I know. You see, uh, Hannah, the the time has come for me to... Ah, uh... there you are. Turned out to be a beautiful day, hasn't it? Ben, you were perfect. (laughs) I was
2: completely thoroughly impressed and moved by your words... And so was everybody else. Isn't that so, Will?
0: Uh, Yes, yes. Now, you only say those flattering things because it's all true. (laughs) Besides, you are prejudiced. Willier could have done just as well. And he came awfully close to doing it, as you know. Uh,
1: Ben, I wonder if you would excuse Hannah and me. We have something to discuss in private. We do? Uh, At least something I'd like to discuss in private, if you please, Hannah.
2: Well, whatever it is. It'll
1: have to wait, Will. Well, if it's not too private, maybe uh, the three of us could go over to the inn and join some of our classmates in a farewell cup. Do we have time for that, Ben? Just about, dear, and then uh, off we go. Go? What does that mean? Oh, Hannah and I, we're leaving this afternoon, just as soon as we change clothes and pack. I don't understand.
2: Ben and I are leaving town. I've quit my job at the library.
1: (laughs) Where to, if I'm not indiscreet?
2: On our honeymoon.
1: We were secretly married this morning. And, Will, you're the first to know. This is this some kind of joke? It's not a joke, Will. It's... Hannah. And he's pulling my leg, isn't
2: he? I'm afraid not, Will. It's true.
1: Well, you might congratulate him. Oh, wish us good luck. Never. Never in this world. Now, now it's you who are joking. Now listen to me, and... both of you. Hannah. You <laughs> give me every reason to think you cared for me.
2: But I do, Will. I have a very warm spot in my heart for you. That's not
1: what I mean. I had hoped you would marry me.
2: Well, I like you. I always have, but I'm in love, deeply in love with Ben. I see.
1: I see. As for you, Ben, I curse the day I ever set eyes on you. From the first time we met, i have been playing second fiddle in our studies, in athletics, everything. And I don't think I really cared all that much. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. But this... This is different. This is the last straw. Easy, Will. Easy, I going. set my heart on Hannah to be my wife. And once again, I win the booby prize. i tell you something, Ben. If you live to be a hundred, I will outlive you. And by everything I hold sacred, I tell you from this moment on, I intend to beat you at everything. No matter what you do. Everything. For the rest of your life, you are going to know what it feels like to come in second, to be the loser. Is that clear? Very clear. But you'll never see that day, Will, ever. I won't. I've never told you this. I kept quiet out of pity. You pitied me. Stop it, both of you. Please, let's go. Now you listen, Will. There are some people who are born destined to be the losers of this world. These people almost will themselves into being the also Rand. And you, Will Dudley, are just such a person. You're a born loser because in some twisted way, you almost enjoy losing. If it hadn't been me, it would have been somebody else. Anyone. Because you want to lose. Now, I'll show you how much I want to lose, you contemptible... Stop this, both of you. Will, go away. Yes, Hannah. Of course. But remember one thing, Ben, my friend. You'll never beat me again at anything. If it takes me the rest of my life, if I have to follow you into the grave. Gentlemen, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, may I have your urgent attention please? Well, this is the
2: president of the college up on the platform. Well, see, Baldy, well, you seems to be so
1: excited. in the harbor of Charleston, South Carolina has been fired upon. Oh, Bombarded. Oh. War has been declared. Oh, so this morning, President Lincoln calls for 75,000 men to volunteer for the militia immediately. I, can't, I, can't. And I know can't. that every able young man on this campus will want to do his duty when the very life of our country is
0: at stake. This is your big chance, Will. Your biggest chance.
1: George Bernard Shaw said that there are only two tragedies in life. One is not to get your heart's desire, the other is to get it. Two young men, the first seemingly fated to win, the second to lose, and the coming of war into their lives may well complicate the destinies of one or both of them. Which of the two will face the greater tragedy? Follow me in a few moments into act two. A year later, the early spring of 1862, the big army of the Ohio, under the command of General Don Carlos Buell, lays encamped outside a little town in southwestern Tennessee, poised for its next move. Although some parts of the army have seen hard service, for most of the men, the war is still young, and soldiering, a new industry not always perfectly understood. Among the young officers of this army is Will Dudley. With his previous training in the Ohio militia, he has attained the rank of captain. Sergeant Driscoll? Hey, captain Dudley, sir. Just how badly off are we, Sergeant? Well, we ain't come out too well, Captain. In that last attempt at that hill up there, Reservation Ridge, I think they call it, at least a good couple of dozen of our men were put out of action. Yes, sir. There's dead or plenty. I see. Lucky for us, less than an hour ago, we got some replacements. Ohio boys, too. A fresh, the raw is all get out, but they will fill in some of them empty spaces. All of them 90 day volunteers? Yeah, I reckon. The army has them for a precious 90 days, then back they go, civilians once again. Huh. Our luck. Well, before planning our next action, let's go over some of the details. Yes, sir. Now, since we ferried over to this side of the Tennessee River, we know that things have taken a turn for the worse. Well, let's put it down a mile, Captain. if I may A word has come down from General Headquarters that the enemy has almost crippled Grant's army. And Grant needs help, reinforcements. Our job is to clean up some of the wreckage and, and move forward. We have to do it inch by inch. Now, this division, this regiment, has been assigned that duty. And this company has been ordered to lead the advance. Our first task is to take that ridge. Which is easier said than done. Now, uh, has no one been able to reach those two snipers? You see, sir, they're positioned in such a way that our fire can't even scratch them. And every one of our men who have tried to get them... Yes, let's go. We have no choice. Those two snipers must be removed come hell or high water. We've lost some of our best men trying, Captain Dudley. We've got to keep trying. Once we're over that ridge, a good part of our troubles may be over. Where's, uh, where's that, uh, list, that list of replacements? Good. Here you are, sir. Uh, yes. uh. So all of them 90-day volunteers? Yes. <laughs> 90 days. Then back to whatever they were doing in Mansfield, in Cleveland. <laughs> whatever. Uh, Kenneth Bordner, Isaac Fremont, John Go... No. No, it can't be. What is it, Captain? Something wrong? No, no, just the opposite, Driscoll. Something's very right. Right here on this paper, I think I have the man for preservation ridge. One of the best shots in the state of Ohio. But against him snipers. Sergeant, send in Private Bennett Story Green immediately.
0: Why, what? You old son of a gun! Imagine my good luck in being assigned to your command. I can't tell
1: you how pleased I am. Was... Private Green, attention. Oh, come on, Will. What do you think you're doing? We're alone. It's just the two of us. I said, attention. Well, sure, Will. If that's what you want. You will speak private when you are spoken to, and only then. Is that clear? Oh, it's silly, but if that's the way you want it, sure. The response is a simple one. Yes, sir.
0: All right. It's, it's clear. Yes.
1: Sir, how long have you been in this army, Private? 88 days. I volunteered day after tomorrow, I'm through. Then, for the next 48 hours, you are still a soldier in the Union Army and under my command.
0: My oh, guess, then.
1: So. Sir, sir. I even though the period of your military service is shortly to end. There are still a few things you're going to have to learn. And I am going to do the teaching. Uh, yes, sir. One of those things is discipline. Subordination to authority. Acting in accordance with the rules. Proper conduct of action in carrying out regulations. I understand. That's uh, sir. What are you staring at? At your desk. Sir. Oh sir. Yes, Private? Would the captain be kind enough to explain something that the private finds a little strange? Yes. Would the captain please explain why that photograph is sitting on his desk? The photograph of Private Green's wife? My wife? That picture was a gift from Hannah before you married her. I treasure it deeply. I see. Now, get down to business. As you please, sir. Uh, the Major has ordered me to push this company to the foot of the big ravine that's commanded by a hill known as Preservation Ridge. And in order to do that... We have to get rid of the two snipers that are protecting us, two of the best shots in the whole army of the Confederacy. We've already lost some of our best men trying to put them out of action. You know. Yes, sir. We all know one of the first things we replacements were told about. Private Green, knowing you for the excellent marksman that you are, I am ordering you to kill those two snipers.
0: You don't mean that, Will.
1: It's Captain Dudley, Private. Sorry, sir. Now you still have that pair of French dueling pistols, the ones your father gave you?
2: You remember. I So happens I do.
1: Then use them well, Private. As though your life depended on them. Will, uh, Captain Dudley, you're you're ordering me to commit suicide.
2: This is a deliberate act of murder,
1: and you know it. I know only one thing, Private. You have been given an order. Will, you once swore an oath you intend to outlive me. And that if it took the rest of your life, you'd, you'd see to it that I'd never beat you again at anything. If I had to follow you into the grave, how well you remember. And you're about to see me killed. In order for you to carry out this mad oath of yours. Suppose, Will, that I disobey you. I would then have you court-martialed for disobeying orders. You would be found guilty and you would face a firing squad. Then either way, I lose. Either way. <laughs> Turned on his heels smartly and left. This was the opportunity I had been waiting for for years. At last, for the first time in my life, the ability to beat Ben Green was in my hands. In my imagination, the pieces of the broken mosaic of a daydream began coming together as if by some kind of unknown magic. I began to visualize the scene where I'd be holding Hannah in my arms. I thought it best, Hannah, if the news came directly from me. I got three days' leave just to be able to tell you.
2: This was so good. So considerate, of you will.
1: The least I could do for the woman I've always loved and for a close friend. Ben was one of the bravest men I've ever had the privilege of knowing.
2: All by himself. In the face of almost certain
1: death? Why? 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 For his country, Hannah. And to save his companions in arms from further slaughter.
2: And to seek. He volunteered.
1: Yes. Yes, he volunteered.
2: I'm so proud of him.
1: So are we all, Hannah.
2: And what will I do now? What will I do without my friend?
1: Uh, it could never be the same, Hannah. I know that. <clears throat> But you would make me the happiest man in the entire world if you would consent when you're ready to be my wife. Will you, Hannah, my beloved?
2: Dear, dear Will, of course. Of course.
1: Captain Dudley? Yes. What? Oh. Yes, Sergeant Disco. It's a loosened cause, Captain. You won't make it any more than any of the others, did. Well, that's a chance we have to take, Sergeant. I suppose. Pity that so many brave men, some of our finest fellas, have had to be sacrificed. Yes, well, that's war, Driscoll. War. Sergeants, did you ever hear of a writer named Ralph Walter Emerson? Can't it. say that I have? No, sir. That's poems. Wise man. Ain't never been much of a reading. Man, Captain. War, he said, is like an epidemic insanity, breaking out here and there like cholera or influenza, infecting men's brains instead of their bowels. Yeah, but to those of us who have to fight them. Yes, the well, that's exactly it, Driscoll. Men like you and me get to the point sooner or later where we accept that madness, simply because we are ordered to, and expect those we order, to do the same. That's one way of looking at it, Captain. Captain Dudley, sir? Who is that? May I come in, sir? Ben Green. I don't believe it. Your your orders have been carried out, sir. Mission accomplished. You mean to tell me that those... snipers... They won't be giving us any more trouble. You've got them? Both of them. Both of them? All by yourself, single-handed? All by myself.
0: And, Captain,
2: it would seem that the leopard hasn't changed his spots.
1: What
0: does that mean? I know my coming back alive is somewhat of a disappointment to you. Sorry, sir, but you see, Captain, you were born to lose, and you lost again.
1: By some miracle, Ben Green has returned from the almost certain death that Will Dudley, his superior officer, ordered him into. Within two days, Ben's voluntary enlistment of 90 days will expire. Before it does, a good many strange and unexpected events can and probably will take place. Be with me when I return shortly with Act Three. 1862. The Confederate Army is advancing on Pittsburgh Landing, just north of the Mississippi border, in the hope of crippling General Grant's army completely, before any of his expected reinforcements can arrive. Although delayed by storms and poor roads, on the morning of April 6th, the Southern Army attacked the Union line near Shiloh Church, two miles from Pittsburgh Landing. The fighting went on all day and all night. One of the bloodiest of the entire war. That night. Any luck, Sergeant Disco? Not much, Captain. We ain't gone forward more than 50 yards in the past two hours, foot by foot. Well, come on in out of the rain. Uh, thank you, sir. Well, 50 yards ain't come cheap. I we can hardly see what we're shooting at. Ain't that the truth? Except for the flashes of lightning, it's so dark you can't even see your hand in front of your face. The storm is getting in the way of the enemy as much as it is of... Well, not much confirmation in that, is there? The men holding up? It's hard to shake yet. Wounded or stumbling around in the dark, and the rest there is them is ain't been hurt. are stumbling into the wounded. And the dance? Piled up like cordwood, I... Eh? Well, anyway, with those two enemy snipers out of the way, I don't know how they you that
0: soldier died. But he did it, and that's all that really matters, isn't that so, Captain Dudley?
1: Private Green, what are you doing away from your station?
0: Things seem to be calm for a moment, so I took the liberty of coming over here to your tent, chance to get a little dry.
1: Sergeant, would you mind stepping outside for a moment, please? I'm glad, Captain. Private Green. You will return to your post immediately.
0: Of course, Captain. But before I do, I have a request, sort of a
1: favor. What is it?
0: May I come into the tent, sir? You may. Sir,
1: I would like to be transferred to another company. (laughs) Transferred? Are you completely out of your mind? In the middle of one of the fiercest battles of the war, transferred? That's right. With 36 hours left of your precious enlistment, Green, are you stock raving mad? I think not, sir. You once swore an oath that you would get the better of me if you had to follow me into the grave. Yes, so I did. I have a wish to go on living. Under your command, I've been given reason to think that that wish might in
0: some way be denied me. I wouldn't like that to happen.
1: Is there anything
0: else? We haven't much time. Yes, sir. One more thing.
1: That picture on your desk, Hannah's picture. I would like to have it. That picture belongs to me. That picture is a picture of my wife. It has no place here. Private Green, you are dismissed. Return to your post at once. Not without that picture. I order you to leave. You are dismissed. You won't give it to me. I'll... I'll just have to take no, it. No, you don't. Oh, yes, I do.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you struck me. I knew it. I knew that sooner or later you'd dig your own gray green without any help at all for me. What is that supposed to mean? This is so funny. You have done it all by yourself. You don't seem to realize what you've done. Your lip is bleeding when I hit you. Yes. Is it indeed? <laughs> Fine. We'll just let it bleed, won't we? By Green, you have committed the most profound, the most unforgivable indiscretion. You have struck an officer of the Union Army. You're a most daring man. I, I, I'm sorry. And a very foolish one. You know, of course, where this must lead. <laughs> This is a matter for a court-martial. Of course, you will be found guilty, and you will be shot by a firing squad.
0: You provoked me. Did I,
1: indeed? And what examining officer do you think will believe that? It's the truth. Your word against the word of an officer, private? Don't be ridiculous. But no one saw it happen. I saw it happen. No one else had to. But you just stood there and let me hit you. It... In the old days at school, you would have made some effort to defend yourself and get beaten, right? No, that that's in the past. In your past,
0: with those snipers, you tried to get me killed. You 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 didn't succeed, and now now
1: there's not a chance in the world that I shall miss not this
0: time. No, you can't do this. You
1: just can't. Sergeant Driscoll, sir, sergeant. Private Green here under arrest. Take him to the stockade at once. He is charged with striking a superior officer. Take him away. Yes, sir. Will. I'll kill you for this. Some way. I
0: swear I'll kill you. (laughs) How? I'll find a way. I promise. Private Bennett, Jory Green, right? you will stand at attention. You have been charged with the serious act of striking an officer of the Union Army. This court, having weighed all the evidence in the matter, finds you guilty as charged. By the power vested in me by the commander-in-chief of the army, you will, on leaving this court, be stood before a firing squad of your comrades. And you will be shot to death. Sergeant, conduct the prisoner out of this court Captain Dudley. Colonel. You will be in charge of the execution.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. He stood facing the eight men in their ragged blue uniforms, rifles at the ready. The men who in minutes would bring his life to an end. He stood there, his cold gray eyes striking right and left across the landscape and always they came to rest. His face had a jaunty, almost amused air about it. Does the prisoner have a last request? Please see that my pair of French dueling pistols are placed beside my body, in my grave. Both of them primed and loaded. Request granted. Detail.
0: And charge. Detail Ready. Aim. I am the resurrection and the life, saith the Lord. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, and though his body be destroyed, yet shall he see God. The Lord came, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May the Lord receive the soul of Bennett Glee. earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust In sure and certain hope of the resurrection. Amen.
1: And that was the troubling close of the most tormenting episode of my entire life. Never again would he torture me. Never again would I have to play second fiddle to Bennett Story Green. Days passed. The fighting had been hard and continuous. The tastes and smells of battle were still hanging heavily in the air. As far as one could see through the forests among the splintered trees lay wrecks of men and horses. Word had it that this battle at Shiloh had cost each side over 10,000 dead and wounded. It was during the first faint gray of morning several days later... Sergeant Pistol, sir. Have we collected all our dead? All that we could find. Trenches are dug, ready to receive the bodies. Any luck with uh, identification? Some. Impossible in some cases. I understand. The wounded? I've appeared most of them had died, sir. Of neglect, I reckon. Well, no fault of ours. Any regulations provide that the wounded must wait, as you know. The best way to take care of them is to win the battle. Which we have done. That's it. So. Victory is the best advantage a wounded man has for getting medical attention. The enemy. Is he gone? Completely? All well, except for occasional little group of their skirmishes. Young lads who keep poking their noses here and there just to see what's up. So close you can almost see them. Any danger, it? Well, nothing I'd call the least bit serious, sir. They just keep hugging the earth as if they loved it. Every once in a while, they unflatten their shells long enough to take a pot shot in our direction. In that case, order your burial squads to get to work. Yes, I will. Uh, on second thought, it might be best to assemble the entire company first for a roll call. See where we stand? Whatever you say, sir. Abrams, John. Here. Yeah. Cosgrove, Robert. Here. Yeah. Twoval, Robert. Here. Yeah. Frederick. Here. Yeah. Michael. Here. Yeah. Rock Sam. Here. Yeah. Green, Bennett. Oh. Sorry, Captain. slip the tongue. Just called his name out of habit. Here. Yeah. A sudden movement and agitation shook the entire company as from an electric shock. The sergeant paled and paused. Call that name again, Sergeant. Green. Bennett. Here. Yeah. Every face turned in the direction of the voice. The two men between whom Green had usually stood in line turned and squarely confronted each other. There was no one between them. Sergeant. Once more. Bennett, Story, Green. Here! One unhurt. On Take cover, sir. Before I could give another order, a score of us ran out at me viciously. The fellows sprang to their feet from wherever they'd been and formed into the open, sending broad sheets of bullets into the enemy. The response was a deadly answering fire into our unprotected flanks. The air was torn with the storms of steaming grapes splintering the trees, spattering them with blood. The enemy had tricked us into believing we were safe. Take cover! Take cover! Captain Dudley, down. Be out of your
0: mind. Don't stand there. Take cover! I stood there and fixed under that sanity of certain
1: death until suddenly from another direction beyond the line of skirmish...
0: Ah! Good man, that Dudley. Fine soldier. Serious law. Captain just stood there, Colonel, as if he knowed that one special bullet was meant for him. There's
1: one thing I can't understand. Oh, what's that, Disco? The bullet that killed him were not no ordinary rifle bullet. It wasn't. The surgeon took the bullet out of his body in the hope of saving his life. This is it, sir.
0: Hmm strange-looking
1: piece of lead. I know you know all about them things, Colonel.
0: What do you suppose it is? I wouldn't take an oath on it, but uh, my guess is this was fired from some kind of dueling pistol. French dueling pistol, I think. (laughs) Very old one. Now, what on earth was the enemy doing with an old French doing, Pistol?
1: That was your pistol then, wasn't it? One of the two that were buried with you. Yes, Will. It was. You swore you'd kill me. You kept your word. You said I'd never beat you again if you had to follow me to the grave. So I did. And I've lost. Stop trying so hard,
0: Will. Stop trying. A famous English poet has written, For in
1: the silent grave, no conversation, no joyful tread of friends, nothing's heard. For nothing is, but all oblivion dust, and an eternal darkness. Quite true, if that's what you want to believe. Except in those instances, as in the story you have just heard, where the voices in the grave are anything but silent. I'll return shortly.
0: at the age of 18, Ambrose Bierce
1: responded to Lincoln's first call for volunteers by enlisting in the 9th Indiana Regiment. The rebellion, he thought, was only going to last three months, and that was the period of his enlistment. But the Confederates had a different idea. When his three months were up, he re-enlisted and was made a sergeant of volunteers. He went through three years of action including Murfreesboro, Chickamauga, Chattanooga, the capture of Atlanta, but most importantly, the Battle of Shiloh, the setting for the story you have just heard. Our cast included Paul Heck, Russell Horton, Patricia Elliott, and Arnold Moss. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre.